Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. This is CBD-infused coffee, and it not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve everyday aches and pains, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. What's going on, guys? Welcome in to another edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online. At MyGreenSolution.com, reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Winter, as always, coming to you from Las Vegas. I've got my coworker, BSN Analytics guru, Andre Simone, back home at BSN Denver headquarters on the, on the ones and twos to talk about this latest Nuggets news that we woke up to this morning, Monday morning. Jeremy Grant, the newest member of the Denver Nuggets, so we'll talk about that what that signing means for the Nuggets, if he's the power forward of the future, if more moves are coming. We'll get into all that. Also, a couple notes about Summer League, because I am out here in Vegas, but it has seemed pretty secondary all weekend. Yeah. How are things back in Denver, Andre? Great, great. Uh, can't complain too much. It's kind of gloomy, but what do you care? You sound uh, you sound in great shape from Vegas, and that's uh, that's all I'm interested in, so... You know, I've been here that. four days now, and a lot of guys in the rest of the house, we rented out an Airbnb here with a bunch of other riders. A lot of other guys are kind of on their last legs, like in Sensei. But I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, dude. Being my uh, fourth day here. You're sounding fresh as a daisy. I didn't even realize it. This marked <laughs> four days. I'm uh, I'm really impressed. Harrison Wynn never ceases to impress people in, in all facets possible. <laughs> Yeah, so what were your first thoughts on this move? Um, I woke up this morning, was about to jump in the shower, and next thing I know, I'm watching Jeremy Grant highlights on the toilet. You know, I think this is a home run for the Nuggets, and I'll get into why in a couple minutes, but I, I guess my first first reaction was maybe a little surprised because I had yeah. gotten the impression that Denver felt comfortable at least mm-hmm. coming to training camp with the roster they have, you know, we, we've heard them talk about all summer, really, how they're comfortable running it back, but will look to improve their roster at, at every turn. So from that sense, I was a little surprised, but not totally surprised because it always seemed like there could be a move that was coming. And um, this move certainly makes sense. Uh, I love the move for a lot of reasons, but and I'm sure we'll get into them. But he just is a guy that really fits what the Nuggets want to do from Mm -hmm. a basketball standpoint and from a culture standpoint. So I guess that was my first reaction. What was yours? Yeah, totally. I mean, the more you look into it, um, I sidebar, I was a little surprised that steel numbers aren't good as good as a defender he is. Um, But, you know, this plays into what I was talking to you off air, which was like, is this guy really more of a four than a three? Yes, he is because he's a much better rim protector than he is a guy who's going to, you know, defend uh, passing lanes and kind of jump on those and create lots of steals. Uh, But, you know, his uh, his length is really where it all starts. And the fact that he's turned himself into a serviceable three point shooter um, and those things really fit. I mean, when I was thinking when, you know, backing up a little when the Kawhi and 
Paul George moves happen for the Clips, I have spent the last few nights kind of wondering, you know, how do you stop these guys? Obviously, Millsap has to take mm-hmm. one. Tory Craig's going to probably have to play more minutes than we'd like. Uh, and then you add in someone like Grant, all of a sudden there's a much more logical path to at least trying to battle it out with those two you know, elite forwards that the Clippers have. And in that sense, he really fits well. And the other thing is, I think Grant wouldn't have, you know, a week ago, Grant probably isn't available, certainly not at right. just throwing in a low first rounder. But because of the Thunder's completely, you know, changed roster now and, you know, objectives going forward, it was kind of a, there was this opportunity and they had this, uh, you know, trade clause or, I'm sorry, trade exception or you can give the mm-hmm. details better on that coming into play and they decided to use it and it, it just kind of makes sense. Um so yeah, it's 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 intriguing, but I, I want to get into it more. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the trade exception comes from the Wilson Chandler deal, right? And that's when the Nuggets dealt Wilson Chandler, I believe, along with a first round pick to Philly last summer uh, to get off of his money. So they opened up that trade exception, which mm-hmm. Grant fits into, and they're still under. The luxury tax, I believe, at least from all the numbers that have come out. Yeah, and I have a feeling that's very purposeful that they're still under uh, the luxury tax there. Oh yeah. So it, it makes sense from that standpoint. And go, going back to like the fact that I was a little surprised and what you were saying about the Thunder and what's kind of transpired over the last couple of days, I've always felt like Grant would be a really good fit here, like from a culture mm-hmm. standpoint, from a fit next to Jokic and. Uh, and all that, I just never really it never really registered with me that he could be available. Right, like going back to last season, even or, or last summer, but now with what the Thunder are doing, he's obviously very available, and they're trying to get off Russell Westbrook too. So maybe that switch should have flipped in my mind, but it really didn't over the last couple of days. Um, and this also is a move that's like very Nuggets in a sense that. They were very patient throughout the whole summer, and I had people hammering me left and right throughout really the entire right. free agency process. And yeah. it's only July 8th. You know, we're only a week into free agency, but it feels like a year. Yeah, no uh, kidding. That, why aren't the Nuggets doing anything? Why, aren't, why isn't Denver doing anything? I'm wondering, where did you fall on that? Were you a little antsy that Denver wasn't doing anything? When the Clippers were adding Kawhi and Paul George, the Lakers got Anthony Davis, the Jazz were loading up, or were you kind of like taking the side that I've been on and the side that I've been trying to get people on all summer that, you know, Denver is fine rolling it back? Where did you kind of fall on that? Yeah, I mean, for starters, you are like my go-to guy for all things Nuggets. So, you know, what what you preach, I, uh, I, I fall in line with as a as any good, uh, you know, Harrison Wind uh, disciple would. But um, no, on a, on a serious note, I thought, I mean, regardless of if I was antsy or not, once Paul Millsap's option was picked up, I was kind of like, okay, cool. We're going to run this back. I'm fine with that. Um, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't even a matter of, oh, will they, what will they do? It was just like, what, what can they do? Like they've picked their route and I get it. 
and you know that it probably signifies that they they gauged the market for these top free agents that could have got that Millsap money and felt like it wasn't really realistic and then you know they locked Jamal up long term right after that and it was like okay so that would explain it as well because you know that Millsap money kind of gets taken by Murray the very next year so financially everything's kind of lined up and I'm cool with it you know I was honestly I've been this is just a uh, very north northwest division of me um but I'm more concerned about the Jazz adding Boyan Bogdanovich than I really was of the of the Clippers like I think I think the Jazz are the one team you could make the argument have a better starting five than Denver I think Denver has the best rotation even before Grant, and now I really think they have the best rotation. Um, right. You know, and those other teams are still kind of coming into place. They're they're still trying to fit in the last few pieces to the puzzle while, you know, we seem like a done deal and we're able to add Grant, um, who, as you were saying, is just a, a spectacular fit. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it just... It just kind of works. I I wasn't antsy. No, I'm. I, how can you be antsy? This team was so good, despite Gary Harris and Will Barton never really being themselves, and they, you know, they're adding Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, and Bull Bull, or at least one of the three, which is cool right. with me. So yeah, I'm I'm fairly optimistic even before this move. Yeah, I have been trying to get people on that side of the argument, but. Really, throughout the entire summer, all I was hearing was, why aren't the Nuggets doing this? Why aren't the Nuggets doing that? They're getting left behind. Right. And I, I never really saw it that way, but this was a classic move from Denver in the sense that they kind of waited out the marketplace a little bit. They were patient. They waited for this situation with the Thunder to develop. I don't know. Maybe here. Here's a thought. Maybe the Nuggets saw the situation with Oklahoma City coming, you know? Yeah. yeah, maybe they could project at the beginning of this off season that maybe the Thunder, if things go down this path, maybe the Thunder are a team that's going to look to offload some of these bloated contracts and save some money. And then now they go back to the Thunder in July uh, when that path obviously becomes more clear and take advantage of that. I, maybe they thought that route. I'm not sure, uh, but I just think this was a really patient move from Denver that kind of falls in line with a lot of the transactions they've made a responsible trade. You know, they gave the first round pick, but that pick's probably going to be, you know, in the high twenties going forward. Right. Uh, so I just think this is a very nuggets trade. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's really fits into this kind of plan that they've been able to implement very nicely all off season. And, um, you know, the more I've looked into grant, I, I loved your analogy of Kenneth Fareed on this, the, the piece that went up on the site today uh, mm -hmm. that you wrote, because it, it's true. Offensively, in a lot of ways, he's, I mean, he's just that perfect off-ball guy. He's coming from, you know, Oklahoma City, where he, he was never touching the ball, because obviously Westbrook and Paul George are getting all the touches. So he really fits in with that, with being a guy who doesn't need the ball to have an impact but can still be, you know, uh, he, he gives athleticism that we've been, I feel like we've been lacking for a while. 
um, mm-hmm. someone who can finish and be kind of a threat around the rim. I really like that. And we've been looking for kind of a prototypical 3 and D guy. Um, and I mean, I don't know that the Nuggets have been looking as much as we, the fans, have felt like, boy, it'd be nice to get a 3 and D guy on this team. And they finally right. have one who can guard, as you were saying, four, four positions. I mean, mm-hmm. everything but the one, basically, which makes it, it just seemed like it just seemed like the Nuggets' biggest weakness or one of their biggest weaknesses was not a ton of perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. And I know, like Jeremy Grant's not like the guy you're probably going to put on Derek White, right? You know, in the playoffs, right? But he, he's a guy who can guard Paul George at times, or Kawhi Leonard, or LeBron James which you could certainly see down the line. So he just gives a team that didn't have a lot of length, a lot of length. I mean, this is a guy who's six foot nine with a seven foot three wingspan. Yeah. And uh, some defensive versatility as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, and the more I've been thinking about this beyond just like guarding those guys, which is no, like that's no write off like, Oh, Oh, we have someone who can guard Kawhi, Paul George and LeBron. Like, those guys should come at a premium because it's it's hard to guard those guys and to do anything out west you're gonna need bodies like Grants to to do anything, but he's also kind of that switchable big that could maybe maybe not make the Rockets such an insufferable matchup for us when they just mm-hmm. you know like insist on running pick and roll and pick and roll and pick and roll and forcing Jokic to to switch on Harden as the the ball handler and then just letting Harden go to work. Now you kind of have a switchable big who can be that option. Uh, he can match some of the physicality a Capella has down low. Um, and I was intrigued. You you mentioned just slightly in your piece how this might mean a reduced role for Mason Plumley because, of course, Grant could also play some small ball five, which is really intriguing. I am already kind of thinking of what could a small ball lineup with Grant at at the five look like, do you think this could lead to any future moves in that sense? Or what do you really think this, this means for the rest of the roster beyond just like Jokic? Well, they certainly got a lot of guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They've got a 10 man rotation. And right now I think the 10th man is probably Tory Craig who started a bunch of games in the playoffs. Right. For them. Right. And that's not even, counting in Michael Porter Jr., who is the ultimate wild card in this thing. Yeah. Um, so you would think another move is probably coming, but I get the sense Denver would be comfortable taking this roster to training camp and then kind of seeing how the year develops and then looking mm-hmm. to make a trade around Christmas or something like that. Right. Uh, but going back to Mason Plumley, yeah, I mean, it's tough for me to see him playing 20 minutes a game next year, right? Totally. Like, where yeah. are the minutes going to come from? And, um, I mean, Grant's going to play ahead of him. Uh, and uh, maybe p- that means Paul Millsap is anchoring that bench unit a little more. So, uh, I think there's a little bit of a crowded front court thing kind of going on. I mean, all yep. those four players, though, Jokic, Millsap, Plumlee, Grant, they're all really good players. You, you know, so yeah. you want to get those guys on the floor, but 
yeah, it doesn't seem like there's enough minutes to go around right now. Uh, I feel like there could be a move to be made. I, I mean, I would think it would make some sense to look to deal Mason Plumley, who's on an expiring deal, who's still a really good player. Totally. And I, I feel like a lot of teams out there would like to have him, but he, he kind of seems like the odd man out. Does it seem like that to you? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it on paper, yes. He definitely feels like the odd man out. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. And this is why, you know, the, the crowded front court is a pretty good point, and it's why I'm going to try at nauseum to fit Grant in at the three rather than at the four because that's the spot that, especially with, you know, Michael Porter Jr. remaining a bit of a question mark even at this point where we were hoping we would have a few more answers on his trajectory and development as a player um that really it's you know it's at the three where we're we're a little short because you're you're kind of forcing will barton in there and i wonder if uh if lineups that have you know bigger lineups of Jokic, Millsap, grant could work with you know gary harris and jamal murray at your two guard spots and will barton coming off the bench again maybe yeah, I mean, there's just like a lot of questions still, but I think the thing we can nail down is that, man, this team is, I think he's going to fit next to Paul Millsap. I think he could fit next to Plumlee a little bit, although that fits probably the worst three. And then, yeah, maybe some small ball five for, for Deer McGrann as well. Um, a lot of more things I want to get to for sure, uh, Andre. Real quickly, though, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. First time I'm doing this read, but if you guys missed the news on Twitter, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver now. Really excited to partner up with them. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You probably heard about their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Polsch ale. Hmm. Am I saying that right? But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is a light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any, or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. You'll be able to see all the events that we have planned. And we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Really excited about that partnership with Breckenridge Beer. So you guys will be hearing a lot more about them in the future. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me with my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. 
That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Let's talk about Jeremy Grant's skill set real quick because I think his skill set really just lines up with this Nuggets team and fits really well. And I guess I want to start on the defensive end mm-hmm. because this guy's a pretty versatile defender. I think he can defend a bunch of different positions, some yeah. guards, obviously wings, and, and a bunch of big men as well. He's long. He's got a high basketball IQ, a high defensive basketball IQ. He's mm-hmm. rangy. Uh, he can block shots. He can get into passing lanes. He's just very versatile on the defensive end of the floor. And he's a guy who Denver kind of doesn't really have one of already, right? They don't have a guy in the front court that can do the things that Jeremy Grant can do. Maybe Paul Millsap could have done them, you know, when Paul Millsap was 24. Right. He's not. I just think he's very unique, and he kind of adds something, particularly on the defensive end of this roster that they didn't have already. Where do you kind of fall on that? Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. Um, initially, I guess what I was thinking was he's just another guy like Torrey Craig, but the more I look at it, he's really quite different from Craig, especially in the fact that he's not just a wing. He's more of a front court player. And that length mm-hmm. and shot blocking ability is going to play a, a big part in this. And I, I mean, I'd venture to say he's more athletic than Craig too, um, which can't be underestimated. And yeah, I guess in some ways he is like a lesser, younger Paul Millsap. Uh, just you know, the, maybe not the offensive player that Millsap was at that age. Yeah, different for sure. Uh, they're different for sure. Like. Him and Craig are both, they're both pretty long. Uh, Jeremy Grant's definitely longer. Right. That's for sure. Um, but man, I feel like maybe Torrey Craig's a little more physical, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. And yeah. Like Jeremy Grant's more of a finesse defender, if that's even a term. Um, so, yeah, I think this just gives Denver a, a lot more length. He's got great length, and uh, he also will give Denver the ability to play him with a bunch of different bigs from an offensive standpoint. I think it's really interesting because you mentioned it a couple minutes ago and I wrote this on bsndenver.com that one of my initial reactions was to think back to the Jokic Kenneth Reed pairing mm-hmm. from 2016-17 and I mean listeners of this show know that's the pairing that kind of had a, a large part in really setting the Nuggets on this course for how they're going to play on the offensive end of the floor. Jokic and Kenneth Reed were so good together. Uh, You know, Jokic operating at the elbow or the foul line at the top of the key and Reed in that dunker spot. And they had great spacing. You know, obviously Jokic would, you know, look to dump the ball off to him and whatnot, throw up oops and stuff. And I think Grant can do a lot of those similar things. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And maybe he's not like quite the rebounder that that Kenneth Fareed was. Right. Um, but Jeremy Grant's a really good rebounder, and he's going to be really good in the dunker spot. And he's not a guy who's going to demand a ton of touches on the offensive end of the floor. And so I think those two are really going to vibe. I think those two are going to really pop on the court together. Yeah. And uh, I think we could be, you know, having a little bit of, of a flashback to just the chemistry that Jokic and Freed had together for, I guess, the close post-December 15th of that 2016-17 season. And uh, see that a little bit with Jeremy Grant. The thing that makes him better than Kenneth Freed, though, is he can stretch the floor, right? Yeah. He has shot 39% <laughs> right. last year, which obviously Freed couldn't do. So he's much better in that regard. Yeah, and he can actually defend multiple positions, which was Kenneth's other big downfall was like, uh, I mean, he's a great rebounder and the dunks are fun and everything, but this dude can't really guard anyone and Grant's the exact opposite in that he can grant, you know, guard four positions and is a really good defender with elite length. So those are two huge differences, but what gets me excited, you know, just from like an aesthetically pleasing aspect of the trade and what's coming to the Nuggets roster in, uh, you know, next season is, yeah, having him in the dunker spot and getting oops from Jokic is going to be tons of fun. And he's a guy who can run up and down the floor. Uh, he won't be holding up anyone. You know, he he's a guy who will quickly learn when Jokic gets a rebound, it's time to get down the floor because that's going to mean easy points for you. And the big question, though, is, you know, was that 39% shooting from three somewhat of an aberration, a statistical anomaly? Uh, I know that two seasons ago he shot 37%, then regressed two years ago, and then was back up to 39% this season. So the the shooting has been a little streaky, but we know that shooting is, point. shooting is an aspect of a player's game that does improve, um, you know, over the course of the years. Um, right. And so maybe we are seeing this upward trajectory is sustainable. That that could very well be. But I think, you know, as as seamless as the fit is and everything, I really think that's the one big question mark for Grant and if this was worth a 2020 first round pick which the Nuggets seemingly can turn into gold um, aside from that Trey <laughs> Lyles uh, Tyler Lydon draft you know aside from that uh, right. really like they can do whatever they want and why even bother picking when you can get an you know second round value from an undrafted kid and Terrence Davis and lottery value on for, with a second round pick and bull bull, but we'll get into that. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's really going to be the big question. And, and, you know, is, is he worth resigning long-term and can he be that starting power forward that, that takes over for Millsap long-term, all these kind of bigger questions surrounding this trade in a lot of ways. I mean, and maybe I'm being too harsh or maybe I'm, I'm minimalizing his impact here, but in a lot of ways, uh, this trade will be won or lost based on if Grant can be a league, just even just a league average three-point shooter. And I like that you mentioned that he's been quite accurate in the corners. That's really where he can strive. 
Um, and look, that's just fine. Um, that's what guys like Grant should be doing is posting up in the corners, making that their bread and butter. And if he can shoot anywhere close to the 40% he shot last year from the corners, then, I mean, watch out. That's going to that's gonna work out just fine with a guy like this. Right. I liked how you mentioned his progression from three because he's still really young. He's only 24. Yeah. Even though he's been in the league, what, I think four years? I think last year was his fifth, but I might be wrong. So he's still definitely on an upward trajectory and can get better as a shooter, but he's going to get a lot of open threes here. Yeah. I think maybe not more than he got in OKC. Maybe not. But he's going to get a lot of open shots next to Jokic and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and and Paul Millsap and all those guys. So uh, if he can hit from three, uh, I think you know he'll obviously be a great fit and – there's no really no reason to believe he won't be a uh, above average three point shooter. All right, a lot more I want to get to. We got to talk about summer league a little as well, but I do want to hit the question of is Jeremy Grant the power forward of the future mm-hmm. uh, when we get back? But let's hit a break real quick, and we'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Welcome back to the show, Harrison Wind here on a Monday from Las Vegas. As always, we're presented by the Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com, use code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here at Summer League. I got Andre Simone, BSN Denver, BSN Denver Analytics. He also does a lot of Broncos stuff. Has chipped in on the Nuggets podcast before. He yep. is back in Denver. Talking about Jeremy Grant, the news that came in Monday morning that Denver traded for the Thunder forward. Uh, they gave up just a 2020 first-round pick in the deal, absorbed Grant into a $12.8 million trade exception created from that mm-hmm. Wilson Chandler deal from last year. Is Jeremy Grant the power forward of the future, Andre? I'll pose that question to you right now. Ugh. I... I guess I'm I'm a bit on the fence on this. I think in an ideal world he's he's a strong member of the rotation and does get uh, you know does get a long-term deal and they move on from Millsap. But I don't think he's the end all be all. I think you know the real hope should still be that to some extent, either Jared Vanderbilt or Michael Porter Jr. or, you know, some combination of the two can be your long-term option at the four. Even though I know Michael Porter Jr.'s, you know, even his position's kind of all over the board. Some people see him as a three. Some people see him as a small ball four. There's even been thrown out there that he could be a two in some some instances. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he... He's a long-term. He he should be a long-term building block, and retaining his bird rights is is kind of crucial in this trade as well. Um, but I think I'm really on the fence, and I guess I'd be leaning towards more of a no with Grant being, you know, that guy that's starting at the four next to Jokic for like the next five years. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to come out and say he definitely is, but right. I am more towards the yes side of it, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it would come down to just like fit and and versatility 
Yeah. And age, he's also on kind of the same age as most of this core. Yes. Uh, on the same track, on the same trajectory. And he's also a guy I think you could project ahead as somebody who could be like the fifth option on offense in the starting lineup and be okay with it. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. if you project ahead in a, in a perfect world where Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are your starting backcourt, Michael Porter Jr. is your three, Jokic is your five, I think Grant can be the consensus fifth option in that lineup and be okay with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it works from that standpoint. And just, like, the fit is there. It is going to be interesting to see what happens after this season because the free agent class of 2020 is very weak. Yeah. And he has a, it's like an eight-point-something or a nine-point-something million-dollar player option right. for next season, Jeremy yeah. Grant does. Mm-hmm. And you would think, I don't know, like, maybe he puts up really good numbers next to Jokic and the Nuggets go pretty far in the playoffs. He gets showcased a little. Right. And then he's suddenly one of the more intriguing free agents in the summer. Yes. Uh, but that's, that, 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 that's far down the line. I, I think Denver has been interested, interested in him for a bit. I think they've identified him a while ago as a guy who would be a really good fit Interesting. next to Jokic. Um, that's kind of the sense I get. Yeah. So I think there is a possibility that, that, that they acquired him thinking this guy can be next to Jokic for a while. Yeah, I mean... But I'm not going to sit here and say that that's definite. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot needs to play out, but I think that definitely factored into to this decision. Like, I don't think they just made this trade on a whim. I don't think this is how that front office operates, period. I think if they make a, a move like this, they have a, a long-term plan in place and they probably did spitball, you know, what do you think it would take to keep them on long-term? Because as you were saying, I mean, I assume that 9 million-ish player option will will get declined from him no matter what because just the, the nature of NBA contracts now a guy like him who's a borderline starter, at least, you know, at the very worst and the most loaded team in the NBA is still probably like the seventh guy in your rotation is probably going to make a little more than $9 million, especially if he projects more as a starter. And, I mean, I it, it does scare me that you, the the scenario you just laid out of him having a really good season like maybe his numbers be more efficient next to Jokic and you know right getting showcased in the playoffs and all of a sudden yeah does a team like I don't know the Hornets or something throw him like 20 million a season and he's just gone yeah I'd be a little surprised if it was like 20 million but yeah it's tough it's tough to gauge it a year out yep I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, agents get paid a lot of money to do that. Yeah, uh, that's right. It, yeah. It, it's tough. It, it's tough forecasting what it will look like because, I mean, he averaged, Andre, 33 minutes a game last year. Right, right. Yeah. Jeremy Granted. He started 77 games. And I think I, Paul Millsap will still be the starter next year. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's going to be like up for debate. I think Grant will definitely oh, yeah. be coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the Nuggets are going to have the opportunity next year to 
let me see, I'm going to phrase this, load manage the heck out of Paul Milson. Right, right, yep. <laughs> uh, give him a, a nights off here and there, kind of decrease his minutes a little because of Grant. So I think that's going to be really good as well. But, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to average 13.6 points a game by any means. Uh, so his, his per-game averages will probably drop off for right. sure, but his efficiency could go up. Okay, fair. You've uh, you've eased my concerns then. Good. I appreciate it. <laughs> so going forward with Jeremy Grant, let's talk about the outlook in the Western Conference because <laughs> my take this entire summer is that the Nuggets are the most slept-on team in the league. And that's not totally surprising because Denver's no. been slept on before. Yeah. But – it's a little surprising in the sense that they were in the Western Conference semis next year with one of the youngest playoff teams ever, and they are bringing everybody back, and everybody is still getting better for the most part on this team right. besides, I guess, Millsap. Yeah. Uh, but I still think Nuggets are one of the more slept-on teams in the league, if not the most slept-on team in the league. And my take on this team before this trade happened was they could win the West, Mm-hmm. And obviously, my take on this team after the trade is that they can definitely still win the West. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I kind of fall. I think the Clippers are probably the favorite and should be the favorite. Um, but after that, I think you can make the argument that the Nuggets have the best chance to win the conference uh, or as good of a chance to win the conference as the Jazz or the Rockets. So, where do you kind of fall on that? I appreciate your hate of the Lakers to not even not even mention them there. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, it, what amazes me as a you know a, a, a Nuggets fan who who's gone through it all through through the last three decades of my life is that actually some national pundits do mention the Nuggets. It's it's kind of a new feeling, and the more I think about it, the more I think. Maybe no Nuggets team in franchise history has ever had a better shot at winning a championship than this team. Um, at least not since we the, the the franchise merged into the the NBA. I couldn't speak to uh, how good of a shot they had in the ABA, um, but I really think you know any time the Nuggets were good, seemingly there were the Lakers who are just you know better. Like, yeah, this is a great Nuggets team, but the Lakers have like three Hall of Famers. So at best, Mm -hmm. the best case scenario for this franchise forever seemed to be going to the Western Conference Finals and getting beat by the Lakers. Uh, Now it it feels like this team has a legitimate shot. I think, um, yes, the Clippers need to be the favorites, but just slightly. And it's only because... I think to some extent we all assume that there's they've still got another move or another something that they'll be able to concoct um, that, you know, that starting five is far from perfect. I've, you know, if they're going to try and stop Jokic with uh, Zubak and uh, the kid they drafted in the late first round, which was actually with our pick from Brooklyn that got traded around and eventually ended up to the Clippers, who drafted this center out of Florida State, who I know decently enough, but whose name I don't feel comfortable pronouncing right now because it's not in front of me. Um, but you Isn't know, he a relative of Matumbo. 
Oh my gosh. Or, don't even tell me that. Don't even. Never mind. I don't. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Go on. Um. But uh. Anyway, so you know they they don't have anyone who can guard Jokic like even come close, uh, which you know is is a problem. And as much of you know maybe they have this great uh you know threesome of just elite defensive players in George Kawhi and Patrick Beverly. But, you know, Beverly to me is is like Jamal Murray in a lot of ways where his impact is very much limited to one side of the court and he's a bit of a minus on the other side of the court. And when mm-hmm. you look at it that way, I think, you know, Murray has more value just because of his offensive game and the fact that he'll be 23 this season. And, you know, I, I saw your take on Twitter of who would you rather, D'Angelo Russell or, or Jamal Murray, and I think... It goes without saying that Murray's definitely the more valuable of the two. Um, so, you know, it, it's it'll be an interesting matchup between those two teams because in a lot of ways, the Clippers' strengths are the Nuggets' weaknesses and the Nuggets' strengths um, are the Clippers' weaknesses. Though, unlike the Lakers, they do still have some decent depth because they can still bring Carroll and Lou Williams off the bench. And, you know, those, those guys are scary. Um, as I've said, the Jazz, I thought the Jazz got a, a nice trade for Michael Conley, but I also thought they gave up one too many pieces to really make up for the loss of depth and, you know, kind of the, the, the forwards that they lost. And then they surprised me mm-hmm. with Boyan Bogdanovich. I think that starting five, as I said earlier in the show, um, is probably the best on paper right now because one through five are pretty damn good. And, you know... Yeah, okay, Joe Ingles isn't I'm I'm not exactly the the greatest fan, but look, we don't necessarily have the greatest three either. That's kind of a hole on on the Nuggets roster too. Um so I look at those two teams as being very intriguing. Houston scares me just because you know Daryl Morey's always got something up his sleeve. I don't be, believe they'll be able to pull off uh Westbrook and I don't know that that even be a good move. Uh but I think something will probably still be in the works um so i think the nuggets are are right up there with the clippers and jazz um and they're the deeper team they have the better rotation while the jazz probably have the the better starting five and the clippers are the best defensive team and probably have the best two players of those three teams and then after that it's hard to figure out i mean i tell you man don't discount the warriors yeah. Especially when Clay comes back in a year, this Kawhi move almost feels like an assist to the Warriors. Like when Clay comes back, and assuming Clay comes back to close to a hundred percent, a squad of, you know, Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green with Looney at power forward and D'Angelo Russell getting you know, enough minutes here and there to kind of carry some of the scoring load and be that off-the-dribble creator is still going to be formidable. And I'd put them right at the top. If they were fully healthy, they might be my favorites about above everyone else. Man, man. I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that Clay Thompson's not going to play next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's, same, yes. Yeah, and I, I just think, like, 
I think the Clippers are the favorite. I don't know how you're going to score on the Clippers, especially yeah, in the playoffs. I know. I know. Um, the Lakers, man, the Lakers are an Anthony Davis injury away from mm-hmm. being what they were last year, I think. Uh, I think the Lakers are. Right. Or a LeBron injury uh, who, you know, might show that he's human right. at some point. Yeah. Right. He was injured last season for yep. a lot of the year. Right. So that's my take on the Lakers. The Warriors next year, I think the Warriors are going to get off to a really slow start and then eventually get their butt in gear and make the playoffs and maybe upset, you know, a higher seed. Right. I could see that kind of happening. But I just think coming off the five straight finals, to go from that level, you know, back to the regular season where Curry's going to have to do all the heavy lifting, that yeah. seems like a really tall task. Um, but Good yeah, point. Like I said before, I think Denver had a legitimate shot to win the West before this trade. Yeah. And obviously after this trade, I think they have an even more, even bigger shot. Uh, to win the conference. That's how I see it. They're coming back one year more experienced. All these guys were in the playoffs for pretty much the first time last year. Right. And another thing I don't think people are talking about enough, and I've talked about on this podcast before, is people are not accounting for the internal growth enough from this roster. Yes. I think Jamal Murray is going to come back a much better player. I think Malik Beasley is going to take another big step next season. I think... Jokic can refine parts of his game, even though he was fourth in MVP voting last year. Absolutely. Um, he can be better on the defensive end, yeah. potentially. And so I think the internal growth is something people haven't been talking about enough. And that's another thing I was preaching to people when they were just hammering me for the fact that Denver hadn't done anything in the opening hours of free agency. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's a great point. Like, of all those teams we just talked about, and, you know, we've we've talked about, like, the six best teams on paper in the West, the Nuggets are by far, like, it's not even close, the youngest team of all of those. Like, yeah, on average, you know, all, all those guys are right in, at the peak of their prime, you know, the, the Lakers guys, the Clippers guys, uh, the Rockets guys. You know, for the most part, the guys the Jazz added, you know, obviously uh, Mitchell's still coming around. He's kind of more the the age of the Nuggets cores. But the rest of that group the Jazz have are all at the peak of their primes or just past it. Uh, the Nuggets instead, I mean, we're, we're still just scratching the surface. If, if the athletic prime of an athlete starts at 26, 27, none of our guys except for Millsap are even in that. Um, and you know, you mentioned the internal growth. I, you know, to me, just Will Barton and and Gary Harris returning to the players they were in 2017, 2018, rather than who they were in 2018, 2019, is going to be huge for this team because they were just shades of themselves. Gary at at points in the playoffs looked like his old self finally again, um, but during the regular season, I mean, you know, then. I, I write the grades for you guys. So I would see this and be like, oh boy, another poor night from Will Barton and Gary Harris just not looking like themselves. I think those guys, you know, not even progress, just get back to what they were two seasons ago. And that's another huge step up for this team. So yeah, I think I think internally they can grow a lot from what they were uh, when they won 54 games last season. 
Right. I think those were a lot of great points there for sure. So we should probably talk about Summer League a little bit. Yeah, why not? Considering I'm out here. Um, Before we do that, though, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is the game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, so, Andre, my take about Summer League is that there hasn't been a lot of substance this season or this summer, uh-huh. this weekend. Yeah. Um, it seemed like after the Pelicans game on Friday, the buzz really wore off and it wore off quick. Yep. And the narrative at the gym, when you talk to people, the discussion, it, it, it's not about summer league. It's about what the Clippers did. It's about what the Lakers did. Mm-hmm. It's about how the West is shaping up. And that's kind of the case every year. Right. But this year, it's kind of gone to the extreme where just I don't feel like there's that interest in uh, Summer League this year. And the interest obviously dropped off a little for Denver when yeah. it came out that Porter's probably not going to play. Right. And uh, so that was it from the Nuggets perspective. But I'm just getting that sense league-wide that the interest in summer league, it's not the same as it was maybe a year ago or two years ago. And it really dropped off after that Friday night Zion game. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it just seemed like the vibe was a, a little different this year. Yeah, I guess that's, that's interesting that I guess from an outside perspective, I've gotten that too. And it's because, you know, the Kawhi took his sweet time and then completely, blew the whole thing up and I mean how could you be focused on these players where only 30% will even be on NBA rosters next year when when there's that kind of earth-shattering stuff going on in the league and all of a sudden Westbrook could be available I mean you know all these top teams are getting blown up or, or rebuilt and yeah I mean that's definitely the more interesting part that's for sure and also because a lot of the top guys aren't playing, right? Like Zion Williamson yeah. played nine minutes and right. isn't playing anymore. John Morant's not playing. Uh, R.J. Barrett's the highest guy who's out here, but he's not like a guy that really pops off the screen or at least in my opinion is that fun to watch. And I do wonder with all the guys who are getting held out and not playing, Jared Culver's not playing. Right. Minnesota, I really wonder if in a year or two we're going to get to a point where it's just second round and undrafted guys who are playing out here. It's basically like another combine open gym just in Vegas for funsies. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. So from a Nuggets perspective, they played one game. They had the earthquake the first time. I know. Which was uh, pretty surreal, my first earthquake. Oh, Uh, wow. A little bit about that on the site, just kind of the chaos and the uncertainty. The game was on, and then it was off, and then it was on, and then it was officially off again. So how close are you to the court then? Oh, so I was standing on ground level. Oh my gosh. At court level, kind of behind (laughs) the basket. Oh, wow. When it happened. 
Yeah. And so I kind of felt the ground shake for probably two minutes straight, to be honest, or a minute and a half, two minutes wow. straight. And yeah, people were kind of just oh. running for the exits. The PA, the PA guy gets on the system and says, everybody stay calm. Everybody stay in your seats. Nobody really knows what's going on. League officials, team officials, everybody's confused. Um, but yeah, and then it stopped. And then it seemed like they were going to play the end of that game that was going on. Yeah. And then they made the determination that they needed to have somebody uh, come in and inspect the building, which was probably the right call at the yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. And then the Nuggets game was going to get played in Cox Pavilion, which is kind of the smaller gym that's attached right. to Thomas and Mack Center. Right. And then that was put on hold as well. So an interesting first night, but Denver finally – I got on the court on Sunday, their summer league opener against the Magic. They won it. I, I guess my big couple takeaways, um, three guys really stood out, I thought, yep. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Vlako Chanchar, the 2017 draft and stash forward, who uh, I'm predicting will nab one of Denver's final roster spots. Yeah, I felt like he looked like an NBA player. Yep. And then Terrence Davis, the um, – a drafted oh. Mississippi wing that I've been talking a lot about. He's been one of the standouts yeah. from kind of Denver's practices so mm-hmm. far. He has a big game and then immediately signs a guaranteed contract with the Raptors. And then uh, wow. Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I felt like he looked good at times, but still looked really raw and like a guy who yeah. hasn't had a ton of game reps um, like he did. So those are my big takeaways. Yeah, I mean... Totally agree. Davis, you've been talking him up, you know, just just reading your stuff. It was just the subtlest little every time Terrence Davis comes up, you're you're mentioning, oh, super athletic, should have been drafted in the second round out of Mississippi. Like, you know, you threw out all the hints you possibly could, Harrison, that this guy was kind of going to do this. And boy, did he ever live up to it. Was he impressive last night? Just I mean, his his he's so bouncy it's incredible so fun to watch Mm -hmm. i did not expect him to be like i'd watched some highlights and was like wow this guy can actually be a bit of a you know like he can challenge you at the rim and at mississippi i saw some clips of him getting you know blocks chasing guys down from behind on layups and stuff but did not expect him to just be able to to challenge guys at the rim even in summer league um and as you wrote his three-point shot was um was really impressive and and the fact that i thought he didn't force things like that's what you at mississippi watching him a little bit it was like ah, this guy can be a bit of a not a chucker but you know someone who who just forces things a little bit he really was good Mm -hmm. at just staying in the offensive flow and letting things come. And I mean, it helps when you're shooting 70% from three and feeling it from distance. Um, it's a shame that the nuggets won't have a, a shot to hold on to him if he's with yeah. the Raptors already. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Denver didn't really have the open roster spot for him, unfortunately. Right. And I mean, good call by him figuring out that this was the team to sign with, to get a summer league spot. And, and do exactly what he set out to do in one game. You know, for a guy like that who gambles on himself, that earthquake could have been devastating because all of a sudden it takes 
a third of your opportunities to to show your talent away and he he didn't even need that other game he just needed one and done um right so, so yeah he's a guy who could have been selected in the second round right but turned down those opportunities he told teams that called him on draft like don't pick me in the second round because they're all going to put him on two-way deals and he wanted to try to get that full-time contract and he did so and unbelievable kid. yeah yeah and I guess let's talk about Vlaco and uh, Jared Vanderbilt here you know, before we get out of here. I mean, Vlaco, he just fits with what the Nuggets do. I, I guess that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. He looks like an NBA player mm-hmm. as well, I thought. Um, Bouncier than I remembered. IQ, right. Um, yeah. High IQ, can shoot it, can dribble it, can mm-hmm. pass it, is unselfish, plays hard, has a good motor, high character, I mean, that sounds like a lot of guys on the Nuggets. And he's a super quick decision maker. He's got great timing on his cuts. He would play really well with Jokic in a Nuggets type of offense. So Mm -hmm. it's not difficult to imagine him kind of in Denver's system. No, and in a sense, almost looks like, and I really like Juancho. I still think that there's some untapped ability with Juancho. I just don't think it'll ever work out with the Nuggets just because they're so loaded. But I think in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, he's a super cheap replacement of Juancho and can do like 95% of what Juancho does and be more of a wing than a four, which is actually where we have more of a need. So he's more of a natural fit that way, which is definitely going to help him. Um but yeah, I mean, you put it perfectly. He, he just he fits the the profile of what a lot of the guys on on the Nuggets roster um, have and what they've had success with. You know, guys who can high IQ and can dribble, pass, shoot. Sometimes that's all it takes. Right. I feel like right. that's yeah. I think he. Um, I think he'll be able to play both forward positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe more four, not the uh, not the sharpshooter that Wancho is. Yeah. Um I, right. I think that's the biggest right. difference. He's not just the knockdown guy that I think Wancho can be. Um I I'm with you. I'm still buying Wancho stock. Yeah, I mean but now especially with this Jeremy Grant thing, he's even more buried. Right. I mean we forget Wancho was a borderline lottery pick. Was he fourteenth or fifteenth? So either he was the very last pick of the lottery or the very first pick after the lottery, but you know those that skill set, he said, I'd also venture to say he's slightly more athletic or in an, just another slightly higher tier of a- athlete than um, Vlatko is. That, yeah. But again, that's because Juancho was a guy who was really good in the ACB and was drafted in the top 15 because he's a great shooter with pretty good size, a solid rebounder. And a pretty darn good athlete. And, you know, Vlatko instead has been stashed and was a second rounder. So, I mean, that's where you notice it. But I think in a lot of ways I'm splitting hairs there because their NBA impact could be similar if, you know, given given the right amount of opportunity. And I got to say, I guess Vanderbilt was doing, he was doing the kind of things that you don't see in a box score. But he was the guy that, mm-hmm. of course, after you know MPJ's injury, I was uh, most excited to watch, and he he left me wanting just for a little more, especially on the offensive end. 
Yeah, he um he showed off his intangibles at times. I thought like yeah, he skied for a couple rebounds, mm-hmm. a couple blocks that he attempted. I think he got one of them. Um, but the, the raw aspects of his game really stood out. Like there were a couple pick and rolls that he was defending and like his positioning was just terrible. Like he just guessed the wrong to like go the wrong side of the pick and roll. Right. And just pretty much like let a couple guards go on straight line drives to the basket. He had a couple good moments defending pick and roll as well, but just seems like a guy who hasn't played a ton of basketball at the highest yeah. level. And I right. mean, he hasn't. Yep. So and it's not like a huge surprise, I guess, but yeah, I was a little underwhelmed, I'd say. And I think my take on him is he's still probably a year away from possibly playing rotation minutes. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Yeah, and I mean, you make a good point. He looks like a guy who hasn't played a ton of basketball, and he's probably played, what, like 20 official games in the last two years between an injury-plagued right. season at Kentucky and only appearing in a handful of games for the Nuggets last year, where... I. He impressed me. He got me excited. Um, you could see the tools. But, yeah, you know, I, I definitely want to watch him, especially in defending the pick and roll, because I think that's one of his uh, most valuable qual- skills uh, is that he's he's a big who's switchable and can do that. And, um, you know, what, just as we were talking with Grant, that's that's something this team's been – really needing to be a you know just a, a complete force if you could have someone like that who can do a little more yeah uh, we could be in a good place so um oh, definitely i mean he flashed the upside there was this play and i put it in that write-up i did on bsendenver.com for that yeah. first game where he like defended in space for probably a good 10 seconds navigated through a couple screens so he moves right. laterally laterally like a guard yeah um, it's just kind of like some positioning stuff he needs to get better at. But I think that will come with um, more game reps. And I'm still leaving the door open slightly that he could be the power forward of the future. But yeah. I think Grant it would be the right. favorite in the clubhouse right now. Absolutely. All right. Um, anything else you got, Andre? I feel like we covered uh, a I lot want, of I wanted to ask you about Goodwin. What did you think? Because I oh, watched yeah, him. He had a pretty good game, but then i the more i watch him the more i've gotten the feeling that he's he's not really an nba player and i mean it's not a knock it's just hard to be kind of a, a ball dominant undersized guard unless you're a complete like freak of nature and just like out of this world skilled i just think he he'll be better suited in europe where he could be a really good player um does but does them stringing him along and trying to keep him still involved or on a two-way contract, did that affect their ability to sign Terrence Davis at all? Well, I don't think Terrence Davis wanted a two-way deal, and I think he was right. going to get that full-time contract regardless. From okay. If it wasn't from the Raptors, I heard he had interest from a lot of other teams. Okay, gotcha. Um, so and I think Brandon Goodwin is still on a two-way deal this upcoming year. Right. Um, yeah, that, that being said, like at his height, him being so small – if he's not scoring the ball really efficiently, right. it's going to be tough for him to be a player, I think. like I think he's probably a third point guard. Maybe on a bad team, he's a second point guard, backup point guard. Um, but he, he's 
pretty small. Like he's strong, and I think he's got good instincts and can score the ball. Yeah, but um, I, I like I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender. Obviously, at his size, and it's just going to be tough for him. I think. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, he, he's, he's. I think he's a good player. I think Denver. There are things to his game that Denver likes, and that's why they've kept him around. Um, but. Yeah, it didn't really stand out to me in game one. Right, right. Yeah, that's all I had. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you hopping on the line with me. Yeah, this was lots of fun, as always. Yeah, you bet. I was jonesing to talk uh, nuggets, so I'm glad we got to do this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll do it a lot more throughout the summer. Great. And uh, thanks, guys, for listening. And we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.